What's going on, guys? It is Bryson here with my main man, Alonzo. And we are here after the 53-man cut down. I guess you could say 52, whatever you want to say with the Patriots. But we're here. We're loving it. All sorts of stuff happened. What's going on, man? I'm feeling pretty pretty bad right now because, like I just said off the air, I, I got my wisdom teeth out, and it sucks. It's fucking horrible. But other than that, I feel great. You feel a little bit better than Jordan Richards probably does today. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you can't feel too bad knowing that Jordan Richards is off your team and out of your life. It's incredible. It's amazing. I, I, I don't think I've been that happy since they won the AFC Championship game than when I got the tweet that he was, that he was gone. I, I just really can't imagine being a fan of a fan like of a team that traded a, an actual pick for <laughs> Jordan Richards. Like I'm this this should automatically qualify as GM of the year type stuff. It should put Belichick and Canton like right now just waive any any rules or waiting period because he got as bad as the asset is, and it's a conditional seventh rounder in 2020, so it's not a great asset. But he got something for Jordan Richards, who was probably the worst player I've ever seen on the Patriots. And that's not hyperbole. He was god-awful just at every single turn. He sucked. And he's gone. He's out of our lives. And Belichick getting anything out of it is, I would say, just a miracle. Yeah, I mean, the nightmare really, really started last year when Jordan Richards started playing linebacker in camp and you just think, you know, it's just, they're just tested it out here. It's all good. You know, he'll end up, yeah. he'll end up sucking. And then, then the first game came and when Casey absolutely annihilated us and Jordan Richards was at the helm of a predominant amount of snaps. And you, you thought then this is over, but then we fast forward to the Super Bowl, and there was Jordan <laughs> Richards. He only played eight snaps and he ended up giving up huge plays in those eight snaps. <laughs> And my God! And if you probably you could probably sub Jordan Richards out for some cafeteria lady, some lunch lady at the down at the local high school, and we probably win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's um, more probable than not. And let's just let's remind people that Jordan Richards, week one of last season, was an edge setter for the New England Patriots. <laughs> he was an edge setter, <laughs> and he went from that to covering Zach Ertz and Corey Clement in the Super Bowl. And uh, now we're celebrating that he's gone. So you can, you can tell how that went. And I will say, good luck, Atlanta. Like, seriously, good luck. And it, the Patriots unloaded their, you know what, I'm not even going to get into Patricia. But good luck, Atlanta. Good luck, Detroit. And God bless, man. Jordan Richards is off my team, and that is all that matters. Oof. Wow, it, what an experience. <laughs> Man, it just feels like a weight off my shoulder. And I saw a tweet of a Falcons fan talking about really Jordan Rich, that Jordan Richard just he, he just needs coached up a little bit. He just needs coached up a little bit. Yeah, it didn't get coached up by Bill Belichick. Just, <laughs> just didn't, didn't, didn't get coached up there. No, like, oh my, I saw the Falcons fans defending that tweet and saying, like, oh, we got a former second-round pick. And it's like... 
Yeah, but have you ever watched him play? He stinks. He's terrible. He's the worst player I've ever seen on my favorite team. And I, I watch games pretty closely. It's, it's just, my God, the fact they got anything for him, like we said. And you're, you're honestly right. It does feel like a weight lifted off because uh, he's, just, he's not, he's not going to play. He's not going to play for this team anymore no matter the circumstance and to to be able to have the security of saying, I'm not going to see Jordan Richards on the field <laughs> in the dime in whatever the, with eight DBs on the field with 11 DBs on the field and any punt team and any punt return. And no, he's off the team. He's out of my life. And I don't have to be reminded of his pathetic excuse for a Super Bowl performance and really just an NFL career up to this point every single time I look out on a kickoff. Yeah, and now that we're officially sponsored by Tito's Vodka, I'm definitely not <laughs> not not pouring out one for uh, Jordan Richards. So, yeah, go fuck yourself, buddy. Not not wasting my Tito's on you. Yep. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> All right, now to a for- to another former second round pick. Cyrus Jones gets cut and um this was called jaw dropping by our boy Tommy <laughs> Tommy Curran, which I don't know what that I don't really know what that means. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all all of us saw this coming from like ten miles away. Oh all jaw dropping jaw dropping. The guy oh, has I sucked. laughed so hard. I laughed so hard yesterday when I saw that. It was ow, this hurts. This fucking hurts. Oh fuck. Um ouch. Yeah. My God, he it it was obvious they weren't gonna like come on, man. Of course he was getting cut. It was jaw dropping. Literal opposite of jaw dropping. And the best part about it was that every single other beat reporter, besides maybe Phil Perry, they were all like, Yeah, Patriots cut Cyrus Jones as expected. Um Played, maybe he'll find a spot in the practice squad, play well in the preseason. It wasn't like a surprising thing. Not at all. And Cyrus Jones, like, I, I will say I do feel bad for the guy. Like, I, he, I think he is – Jordan Richards, I think, is just a horrible football player, right? Cyrus Jones just overthought it, in my opinion. Cyrus Jones has talent, and maybe with the Ravens on their practice squad, he can turn into something. But – the fact remains, he didn't play all the last year because of an ACL. And when he played in 2016, he was a train wreck. Why are we surprised? And they have, they had seven other corners or six and a half other corners that they were obviously just better than Cyrus Jones. Like It's not jaw-dropping. It was expected. And for Cyrus Jones, I don't know if I'll, pull out, I'll pour out a whole shot of Tito's, but... Maybe like halfway because you do feel for the guy. It's just shit luck with him. Uh, that actually just reminded, I think we were talking a week ago about this uh, phantom push for Cyrus Jones making the roster. And I want to say it was honestly, I think it was on Quickslants where Tom and Phil were talking about, oh, Cyrus Jones is on the next field returning punts by himself. <laughs> he could probably, he might still make this roster, then jaw dropping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the the whole thing started because of um, because of NBC Sports Boston. It was all them. 
Like no one else saw Cyrus Jones making this team. It, and who, like seriously, who the hell knows? Because they've loved Cyrus Jones for a while, and I know Curran has loved them. I love but... my wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> I love him on the sidelines. <laughs> I love him on the practice squad. <laughs> but not nah, really. Who? I don't know why. I don't just. It sucks it didn't work out because you know. His talent was apparent in college, and he was like a consensus day two pick. It wasn't a Jordan Richards situation. And he even, if you remember the Monday night game against Baltimore in 2016, where they sealed it with uh, Brady to Hogan down the seam, like a 78-yard pass, I think, to win that game. And Cyrus Jones was awful as a punt returner. And I think he mismanaged two or three punts in that let the Ravens get back into the game, but as a quarter, he did play that game, and Eric Rowe was out, so they had to rely on Jones outside with Ryan in the slot, Butler on the other side, and Jones was actually pretty good on the outside. He held his own pretty well, and then from there, they just they couldn't activate him anymore because of the punt return stuff, and because Rowe got back on the field, but really, like he he basically didn't get a shot to play corner with the Pats, which... Maybe, like, the fact he got cut right now suggests that might have been for the best. But in that one game, I do remember him flashing. And uh, I won't be rooting for Jordan Richards. I will be rooting for Cyrus Jones. Like, best of luck to him. Clearly wasn't a fit here. But I I do think he has some ability. Yeah, I agree there. Although, he's on the Ravens practice squad, so I'm not rooting for him. But too hard. Right, you're right. (laughs) All right, next up, uh, I will pour a couple shots out for my boy Marquise Flowers getting cut because I was pounding the table Sad. for him all, all off season, And uh, it appears that Nick Grisby just took his soul from him. He, you you yeah. kind of previewed it last week. Nick Grisby wing, wins a battle. Uh, Grissom takes his roster spot. And uh, it's, a, it's a really sad day for me because I love Marquise Flowers. Yeah, but and you know what? I also like Marquise as a player. I thought that everything else about him, especially on social media, was just deplorable. His takes on basketball, his takes on food, his takes about just about anything else in life were god-awful. But on the field, he did flash to me a lot of ability last year. And I was really excited when they re-signed him. I thought he would play kind of like a dime linebacker role and even when we previewed the preseason, we both thought that that would be his niche. But as the preseason wore on, it did become pretty obvious that Nick Grigsby was, a, I would say, a level above Flowers as a linebacker, uh, just on a down-to-down basis, and maybe even as an athlete, too. Clearly, Grigsby, like Matthew Slater, compared him to Tracy White, and that's pretty high praise for a special teamer. Grigsby made a mark last year, and... Uh, yeah, I don't have any gripes with keeping him over Flowers for the roster. Geno Grissom is another story. I, I, Geno Grissom has shown nothing on defense for his entire career in Foxborough, and he's had, I mean, multiple chances, and he just, he just hasn't been able to break through. So I would have kept Grissom, I think. I'm, I'm sorry, I would have kept Flowers over Grissom. At the same time, they do save a little bit of money on the cap by releasing Flowers. And 
they, in theory, I don't, I don't think this will happen, but they could bring back Flowers after week one to fill that special teams role with that Grissom is currently playing. I don't think it'll happen. I think that'll be Brandon Bolden. But Flowers, he'll catch on somewhere. He's, I still think he's a talented player. And, yeah, let's pour one out for him. You know, Marquise, you, you ate ketchup on your tacos. I defended you. You said Kobe no. was the, you said Kobe is the goat, which is true. I defended you. That's and now blasphemous. Here, and now here we are. You know, follow me on Twitter, Marquise. I'm I'm your main man. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But you know, right. Flowers. He played in this. Like we were going to talk about this. They cut Eric Lee too, and. They both had like significant roles on last year's defense, along with Jordan Richards. It's, it's incredible, like how horrible the defense just was from a roster standpoint last year, and how much better they're in, how much better shape they're in right now. Yeah, I mean, we'll see as the season plays out, but for sure, from the Super right. Bowl, like you just said, Eric Lee, Marquise Flowers, James Harrison's corpse, who was probably the best player on the on the defensive line that year. Um, Hightower wasn't wasn't there. Jordan Richards. Obviously, Malcolm Butler wasn't there. So, you can't really count that too much. Um, Ricky. Ricky. uh, Ricky Jean-Francois. Man, that was a bad bad team. That really was a bad team. It was horrible defensively (laughs) on the front seven. Like, they were a train wreck. And John Jones gets hurt. Butler gets, uh, what, benched in the Super Bowl. And they have no one else in the secondary now you look at this team and it just looks a whole lot deeper. Like Vincent Valentine would have been playing over RJS from the Super Bowl. And oh, he's on the oh, practice if, squad. If Vincent Valentine was like a, had like an ankle injury before the Super Bowl and was warmed up, we would be we would be worried sick about Vincent Valentine not being able to play. Right. Right, exactly. And like they have Harvey Longy right now on the practice squad. He probably would have been playing over Eric Lee. It just, it, it's clearly a deeper team on defense at every position than what they came into last year with. So we love that. And yeah, we love it. it it's, we hate that Marquis Flowers got cut because we like them as a player, but we recognize at the same time that it's might be a good sign for the defense's depth that they were able to cut them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Totally agree. And now the front seven has Rivers, Wise, Claiborne, Flowers. Even Davis. Adam Butler's flashed a little bit. Davis has flashed a little bit. They like him. Yeah. I love – yeah, this front seven's going to be good. Yep. All right, so let's talk about our boy, J-Mac, who is now like officially – he's officially a safety. Um, I, I well, think we he – was, he was warming up a corner in practice today. Apparently. Yeah. So maybe. Might be a safety. But kind what? of he's he's a he's half a corner half a safety. That's why you mentioned the six point five corners. Earlier. Yeah, exactly. But at the begin when we first signed J Mac, a couple weeks went by uh, into into the spring practices. We weren't really sure if J Mac was gonna make the team and both of us are really high on Eric Rowe and we just just all the signs kind of pointed to not sure about J Mac. His playing time in the preseason game, uh, and he was playing in the fourth preseason game. They transitioned him to safety, but 
looks he's carved out a role here, and I'm glad because it's good to have the old twins, D Mac and J Mac, on the team. But I'm here to spread my Eric Rowe propaganda because <laughs> Eric Rowe was slandered. He was slandered. His name was slandered by by countless casuals at the NFL Twitter dot com, as we would call it, and he fended off Jason McCourty like no other. And he is elite. His name's Eric Rowe, number two corner, my number two corner. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah, Eric Rowe, title talk favorite, Patriots starting corner. We love it. We love it. And for me, I love that Jason McCourty is the top backup defensive back for the Patriots. Because, again, we talked just talked about depth on defense. And if you have Jason McCourty as your top backup to your boundary corner duo and your top backup to your really great safety trio, you're in a good spot. <laughs> and yep. I – Jason McCourty, he was great with Cleveland last year. For him – for it being his first time playing safety on a professional level, he was pretty good at safety in the preseason. And besides the Shelton Gibson touchdown against Philly, he was also really good. I love that Jay Mack made this team. Am I gonna? Am I a little worried that in the next week they're gonna cut him? A little bit. I'll be honest. I'm a little worried, but for now, I'm happy. Uh, they, he, he earned his spot. Like they, it felt like they were giving him every chance to carve out a role for, you know, to be on this team. But it also kind of felt like they were giving him every chance to screw it up. And for, yeah, for what it could have been and what he did, he did a great job. He proved he belonged. And I love that he's on this team. He's a great veteran leader. And still a really good player. And just think, last year our top, after Rowe went down, our top backup at the boundary corner spot was Johnson Batamosi. And this year it's Jason McCourty. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. You had Batamosi uh, playing significant snaps in the Super Bowl. And now that player could potentially be uh, J-Mac or even our new guys who are crossing and uh, J.C. Jackson, who are some young guys who get – get it really excited about because they have flashed some talent. I know Crossan didn't look too good in the, in the uh, first couple preseason games, but the man is a mammoth. If you've never seen Crossan's deltoids, just go it's Google incredible. him right now. Just go Google him right now. I'm going to tweet out a picture of him with this podcast. <laughs> the, the, he's a freak. He has all, he has all the athletic talent. I'm not sure how tall he is, but he is a mammoth and, and by all accounts, uh, J.C. Jackson has been a really, really good cover corner as well. So I'm excited about this group. If one of those guys could potentially make a jump somewhere to like an Eric Rowe type level of player, this team's super deep. And they kind of really need the – with Rowe's deal expiring soon, they really need exactly. one of these guys to step up. Exactly what I was going to say. They don't, they don't need to be like that caliber of player this year with J-Mac and with, you know, still – they have the top safety trio and John Jones in the slot and Dawson's backing up in the slot. Like they don't need to be really good right away. They could just contribute a little bit on special teams and that that'll be enough. Hopefully at least it looks like that right now, but for, for Crossan and Jackson, like if they're, if they live up and play to their potential, 
in the 2019, 2020 seasons, like that's a pretty seamless transition from Eric Rowe expiring, from J-Mac expiring. John Jones is restricted this year, and then he'll be unrestricted. Who knows what happens with him? I think they might have taken Dawson to replace him. It's a huge benefit to have a clear picture of sustainability at corner uh, on, on the outside and in the slot with, uh, what is it? Is it four rookies? Three, three rookies. Uh, Dawson, uh, Crossan, and Jackson. It's huge. And it's that type of, you know, a lot of people criticize them about their drafting and some of it's warranted, some of it's overblown. A lot of people have said they don't have great under 25 talent, but they keep, they keep whiffing on their first picks and they keep hitting, nailing their undrafted and their later round picks. And it's great because that in a way it kind of makes up for it, right? Like Malcolm Butler made up for Don Easley. Uh, John Jones made up for Cyrus Jones. And just as long as you have those players, you're good. And right now, the fact they didn't lose them, like they lost Kenny Moore, like they lost uh, Daryl Roberts, Craven LeBlanc, lost a lot of talented young corners. And I love that they went the extra mile to keep them this year. Yeah, me too. And th- like you just said, this is something the Patriots are really good at every year is usually finding these little gems and keeping their cornerback room extremely talented. I mean, last year was kind of a kind of a down year, but they've they've always been really good at this and yeah. In my opinion, it's the second or third most important position on the team is corners and the Patriots are really good at finding these corners. And yeah. it means a lot means a lot as well because of the salary cap. You could have right. potentially you have potentially crossing and Jackson for a few years making next to nothing. And Dawson if they hit, too, if he hits. Yeah, Dawson. If they all hit, and that means you could pay players more money, which is a good thing, obviously. Right. And even last year, right, like they they obviously went into the season with, like we just said, the Badamosi thing. And they hit on Kenny Moore from Valdosta State. He's starting now for the Colts. And he's been really good for them in camp. And they traded Justin Coleman to the Seahawks, who's he, he was their starting slot corner day one when he got there. He hit on these guys all the time. And for, because they have such a talented room and there's only so many spots, they've lost a few. So this year, it, I mean, they lost Ryan Lewis, and he'll probably be pretty good for the Bills. But still, they kept they kept their best guys, and they kept guys with – I would say pretty huge upside for for the next few years. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just want to talk about a little notification I just got about uh, Cravens. Yep. Who seems to be buried on the back end of the Broncos roster. Thoughts on this? Because we love Cravens. What if he gets? What if he happens to get cut? Uh, he's going to IR. Stash him. Yeah, there's going to IR. Yeah, he's going oh, out. Oh, man. I didn't it's, see the rest of it. Son yeah. of a bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah, we liked Cravens a lot as a potential target this offseason as backer safety. I don't know whose role he would take on this team as of now. And he hasn't played football in a year. And he's kind of a weirdo off the field if you believe everything you read, which with him, it's pretty clear there's something a little off there yeah i I, I wouldn't get too excited about cravens 
if, if he uh, for some reason become available. And the Patriots yeah. suddenly pretty deep at linebacker. Safety. Again, whose spot is he taking Grigsby? Probably not Grigsby's spot. He's too good on special teams. Maybe Grissom's roster spot. But do you even dress Cravens at that point? It's yeah, probably not worth making like a big stink about. Ooh, this roster is deep. We love it. We absolutely love Except it. the receivers. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about – I'm sure a lot of people – actually, I know a lot of people on Patriots Twitter hitting the panic button. And I, I'm not going to say I haven't hit the panic button because <laughs> not on Twitter exactly, but I think in the DMs we both hit the panic button a couple times. But the Patriots just acquired former third-round pick from the Seahawks, Darbo Armaro Darbo, and fourth-round pick former from the Jets – Chad Henson, who have contributed almost nothing. And I don't know, man. I don't know what to think about this. There's probably not much to think about this. My initial thought is that the team isn't that comfortable having three wide receivers, maybe two and a half that you can rely on. But they're kind of just going to have to be. uh, I don't see a move they can make at this point. I know Lombardi talked about how every team wants a wide receiver. And – that means they're expensive generally. And so I think the Patriots are going to have to manage with their, you know, their packages, the highlight, Gronk, Hogan, White, Burkhead, Hollister, Dorsett, Devlin, guys like that. Yeah, Devlin. Yeah. They'll, they'll do a good job with this. I think we're worrying about it just a little bit too much. And for the first four weeks, it'll be all right. As long as no one gets hurt. If someone gets hurt, they're uh, it's going to be pretty bad. Yeah, it's going to be pretty – it's like Phil Dorsett goes down. Uh, it's going to be pretty bad. Yeah, that's not a good sign that we're saying that, right? But, yeah, you're you're totally right. The I like the pickups just from a philosophical standpoint. Like, Hansen got caught in a numbers game with the uh, – he was a really good prospect coming out. A lot of smart people liked him. A lot of smart people didn't, it, as it usually goes. He slipped a little bit in the draft. Darbo, I think – uh, Pat's Creed compared him to Malcolm Mitchell today. And if he can come anywhere close to being that for the Patriots, that would be fantastic. I, I think this is really just getting depth in the building now. And for one, I don't think they're going to keep those two guys on the active roster for the foreseeable future, right? Like when Edelman gets back, I think one or both may be gone. And even before then, why are you keeping five receivers if you're only dressing four and you only trust like two? It, it doesn't really make sense. I think they claimed them and eventually uh, one of them is going to go to the practice squad soon. And then the other will go to the practice squad or to some other team. Once settlement is back. It, yeah. They, it, a big move as much as we'd like to talk about Tate and Sanders, because those, those scenarios are always fun a big move was always going to be pretty unlikely. So, and especially when you look at the cap space they have right now, it's around $5 million. So you're not getting a player without giving up and another player and probably restructuring a few contracts. When Edelman is back, when Edelman is good, this offense is good with the guys healthy. Right now, I really think they're going to have to smoke and mirrors the shit out of the first four games of the season. Just a lot of 21 personnel with Devlin, a lot of 21 personnel with two pure backs, 12 personnel, 13 personnel. It's going to be a grind. 
because, like you said, we trust on this roster two receivers and Patterson and Gadget plays, and one of those two receivers is Phil Dorsett. So we trust Hogan strongly, and then the other guys, it's oof. And that's, it's not a great spot to be in. It's the, by far the weakest position on the team. But we, we shouldn't hit the panic button for what it means for the long-term aspirations of the 2018 Patriots. Because when the team is right and when it's at full strength, I think the offense is still one of, if not the best in the NFL. Yeah, especially with the, the improved offensive line. Marcus Cannon is back. Trent Brown's a god, so I'm not too. I'm not really too worried about it. I mean, if they start to go, if they start going hurry up, I'm a little worried about Trent Brown. I don't know if he can do that too much. Grab to slide in Waddle, maybe. But <laughs> other than that, we're we're pretty good. And I think people can look at the Saints game from week two. Yep. I think from last year as a as a kind of a measure to what the Patriots are going to be doing in the first four weeks. And they did it really well against the Saints defense. That ended up being not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're totally right. Just they played so many different sets and they got so creative with it. I think they might be saving some of that for Jacksonville. And I don't know. Who, who knows how they'll play it for the first? We'll talk about the Texans game a little bit later, uh, later on in the week. But for now, I'm more concerned that Trent Brown mispracticed today, <laughs> and that's not good because they're carrying seven offensive linemen right now and Trent Brown needs to be healthy. Yeah, especially I mean they're game planning for a game Sunday. Exactly. Trent Brown. I, he you know what? He's probably just he's on the sideline like Cyrus Jones returning punts somewhere. I'm I'm gonna guess Tommy Kern's gonna talk about that. <laughs> God but no, uh, Trent Brown is actually probably somewhere on a treadmill because the guy, the man needs to be in shape. Okay, he's good, but he's not quite in game shape. And I don't, I don't know how many weeks he's going to take, but we'll see. The man was four hundred some pounds by all accounts. He's down to <laughs> what, whatever he's down to now. He, yeah. um, he's still a, a large man, but give it some yeah. time. Uh, is he? I don't know. I don't want to hear any bad news about Trent Brown. Yeah, I'm going to go Tate Frazier here, and I'm going to compare Trent Brown to a basketball player. Now I'll Tate compare J.R. Sweezy and Russell Wilson to, <laughs> to Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan. That's <laughs> just ridiculous to say. But <laughs> I think Trent Brown's kind of like Shaq. He has to play his way into shape <laughs> throughout the season. And, and that's fine. The that's fine. because and that's fine. Yep, it's <laughs> Yep, he's just totally dominant. There's there's going to be plays where you see Trent Brown is uh, just uh, taking it has just been taken out of the game, and he's just going to be on the sideline throwing up, and Dante Scarnecchia <laughs> is going to be in his face yelling at him, and we're going to have to substitute Waddle in and and for those couple snaps, but we're going to have to get used to that because I think he will get gassed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, st- I, I still can't get over take comparing. J.R. Sweezy and Russell Wilson to Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan. It's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Well, he also compared uh, who's the who's the number one uh, recruit this year for Duke? What's his name? Zion R.J. Barrett. 
Yeah, Zion. He compared to Zion Williamson. For those of you who don't know, the guy is like six 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 seven two seventy five, and has like a fifty inch vertical and is just a mammoth. And he compared him to Charles Barkley. <laughs> they're like they're not even close. They're not even- Zion projects as a guard in the in the NBA or maybe a three at best, and then you have Charles Barkley who has. No skill set comparable to Zion Williamson. Oh that was Tate Frazier's comparison. Tate, Tate is terrible. He's terrible. <laughs> it's every single podcast. It's something new. It, I, oh my god, he sucks. Oh yeah, we de- Lombardi's got to get the scouting report out and cut that guy and get someone else. Yeah, yeah, we're the, we got two podcast hosts right here that. That definitely won't be comparing J.R. Sweezy to Scottie Pippen anytime soon. Might compare Trent Trent Brown to Shaq, but probably not comparing those two. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, now now that we're on to the offense, the wide receivers, our boy Braxton Berrios got the Foxborough flu. We saw it coming. It was from day one. We knew looking at the wide receiver room because at the time we had Kenny Britt, Malcolm Mitchell. Jordan Matthews, the room was full, so we projected Braxton as a as a Foxborough Foxborough flu from the from the get go. Uh, receivers started to get thin. Uh, I think we probably still thought he was going to get the Foxborough flu, but maybe there was an outside chance he makes a team. But he's on IR, gives him another year to hone his skills in and just become a bigger player because he's probably he he looks like he runs about one sixty right yeah. now and. That's just not he, – he needs to get physically ready for the NFL. And I think once he's physically ready for the NFL, he's going to be a good player because his measurables are good. He's a good punt returner. I think he'll eat in the slot. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I, the whole – the best part of yesterday was everyone on the Pats who has long-term potential getting put on IR. But long-term potential but wasn't good enough to make this team just getting put on IR. It was really like there is no greater example of a day in Patriots history where they're just they I'm sorry they just stash uh, they stash players who they like and it's great because you know Christian Sam wasn't making the team Ryan Izzo might have beaten out Dwayne Allen if he had stayed healthy I'm skeptical about that he because of the a high ankle sprain, he goes on IR. Barrios, we never know. We never knew how he got hurt, but he goes on IR. And oh, he's hurt. He's hurt. Barrios, hurt. Yep, he's really hurt. Get the Foxborough flu. Yeah. He's it's he's definitely ill. Yep, yep. It, <laughs> it all those like you, you said it, man. It's the Foxborough flu, and it's just a really savvy way to keep players around. I love it because. Imagine, like, yes, today they cut Christian Sam and the Bills. Because the Bills, um, they picked up the Jorquez and Ryan Lewis. Imagine the Bills pick up Christian Sam. It just sucks. Because Christian Sam might be good next year. He might have a role on the team next year. Ditto Berrios, ditto Izzo. And keeping them for, you know, whatever the excuse might have been with their injury – it, it's a big win for this team, I think. We can't overlook it. It's depth for the 2019 Patriots, and 
you got to look at that stuff when you're looking at how a team how a team builds uh, for a season. And do other t- NFL teams do this? Seems like it's really just the Patriots. I think the other teams just stash play. Right. Yeah. Like other teams do it, but it's with the Patriots. It's it feels like it's a couple times a year. Last year was an exception because they had literally no one worth keeping, and anyone who would have been worth keeping was but wasn't quite ready, was actually pressed into having to be ready. So it, it's mainly the Patriots doing it from what I can tell, but it's, it's just super savvy and you'll love it, right? I definitely love it. I mean, anytime you can trade Jordan Richards and put Christian Sam and Braxton, Braxton Berrios on IR and stash him for another year, hell yeah, let's go. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, it's smart, and it was just a little subplot from yesterday that I loved, and that I I wanted to get your thoughts on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you just said, Christian Sam with a year, we don't know how hurt Christian Sam is. He'll probably be training in the next week. He'll start next week, start training somewhere with the Patriots' help, along along with Braxton Barrios. They're just gonna have a red shirt year, pretty much. Yeah, and it, this one wasn't a Foxborough flu, but Isaiah Wynn too. Isaiah Wynn, he'll he'll have a redshirt year. He'll learn behind the scenes, and as much as we'd like to see him, especially playing, like the kind of it it helps players that you know when they're not moving around so much around the league, and it'll help a guy like Barrios reach his full potential, and Sam and Izzo uh, when next year comes around, and those guys they'll be competitive. They'll have a chance, all of them, I think, to make uh, next year's team, and. It's just a really smart way to keep to keep players around, and I love that they do it. I love it because we always joke about it, right? And to see it yesterday actually kind of come to fruition was was pretty great. Yeah, for sure. So also yesterday, uh, Brandon Bolden gets cut. Like you just said, they we thought they would keep eight offensive linemen. They only have seven. Trent Brown just missed practice today. So what's going on here? Bolden going to come back next week? Maybe you think? Bolden will, I would, if I had to guess, I'd say he'd be back because his helmet's still in his locker. So just from that alone, you can say, and all, from all the beat guys, they kind of just insinuate like, oh yeah, Bolden, Bolden will be back. So I would guess Bolden's back. Uh, it, it, in my opinion, it's probably just them not wanting to guarantee a salary for the full year. So what I thought yesterday was, okay, they keep Grissom. Grissom can fill some of the Bolden role on special teams along with uh, Jackson or Crossan for the Houston game. And then after the Houston game, they just bring Bolden back. They cut Grissom, bring Bolden back, and, and that's how they do it. So I, I would expect Bolden to be back for someone. And for the eighth offensive lineman, again, I just can't see how they keep two receivers who don't know the system at all and have no background in anything similar. I don't see how they keep them for multiple weeks. I get wanting them to be in the building and maybe wanting to keep them on the practice squad, but if they're going to go to eight offensive linemen, which Skarnecchia kind of said today, just straight up that they would, I would guess that it's they get to that number by cutting either Darbo or Hanson before or after the Houston game that really makes no difference if the seven linemen are ready to roll. 
but that those are the two moves that I would kind of expect. And just as a dark horse, I mentioned earlier, I'm really glad that J-Max on the team, but he he's not in the clear at all yet. Like he needs to be on the roster week one. Once he is, he's in the clear. His salary is guaranteed and they can't do anything about it. But he, he just needs to stick this week and we have to keep an eye on that. Yeah, yeah, he does. And and also, I want to ask you something. So, let's just say, I'm going to knock on wood, that the Patriots uh, have two wide receivers that get hurt in week one, and they have no they have no other active wide receivers. Who is the first player that they put at wide receiver? Like, name a defensive back that just starts playing wide receiver. Or, like, like some safety. Oh, my God. I'm trying to comb my brain here. Uh, Pat, I know Pat Chung would want to do it. He for sure wants to be a receiver. It would want he, Pat Chung would want to do it. I'm not sure he could. He'd put Stefan Gilmore on the outside, and he'd immediately just have like a 200 yard day because <laughs> he's that good. Uh, Eric Rowe in the red zone just jump balls all day. John Jones would absolutely obliterate the tops of defenses. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah, maybe uh, Jesus. If they had two wide receivers <laughs> that got hurt, like during the Texans game, yeah, okay, and they only had four active for the game. I guess like they would only play Patterson and McCarron, or not McCarron or Hanson or Patterson and Hanson or Darbo. But if you're talking from the defense, like I gotta say it's. Keon Crossan, just the athlete. It's freaky. They're going to try him out everywhere. Uh, if that actually happened, uh, Ernie Adams would be upstairs looking at the three cones and deciding who needs to be playing in the slot and who needs to be playing on the outside. <laughs> yeah. No, please don't happen. Please don't happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. John Jones can make a run at, at uh, 80% of Cook's value. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he might. It's just it's <laughs> running go routes and the occasional, the occasional hitch on a play action. All right. So, do we miss anything? I think we pretty much wrapped up the the fifty two man roster. Uh, yeah, we're good. It's um, it's fucking game week, yeah, man. It's game week. It's fucking man. game week. It's game week. I'm falling asleep because of the painkillers, but it's game week, and I'm really excited. <laughs> So we'll see what happens. I think there's always moves to come and there's obviously something with Bolden and something with an eighth offensive lineman. Uh, don't say we didn't tell you because we just did. And yeah, that's about it. Yep. Uh, Golden Tate also wasn't our fault. It's not our fault Golden Tate's on the team. It's, it's – no, we – you know, like we reported on the last podcast, we wanted all the credit if we were right and none of the blame if we were wrong. So, yeah, that – none of the blame. Nope. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, thank you. So, thanks for coming on the pod, man. It's game week. Uh, make sure to subscribe everywhere and because we're going to have another one probably Thursday or Friday previewing the Texans game Yeah, where we obliterate Deshaun Watson. I hope my mouth is in better shape than it's in right now by Thursday. 
I'm trying to think of a Mike Reese tweet, a Mike Reese style tweet that I could tell you right now for some encouragement. We should tweet Mike Reese right at the end of this. You should like, hey, wisdom teeth out yesterday. You have any words of encouragement for him? He'll, he'll probably say something. Mike, well, Mike Reese is a. Did you see Mike Reese on his personal website? The checking myself, the accountability thing. No. <laughs> Go to his Twitter right now, and if you haven't done so and you're listening, go to his Twitter and check out at MikeReese.net. The, he wrote something about holding himself accountable for the, for the 53-man roster projection, and he put, he put like lessons in for Ryan Izzo. It was his gut that they might keep him and IR him later, and lesson learned, listen to your gut. <laughs> That's what Mike Reese is the best, man. <laughs> That's why he's the best. He, here's what Mike Reese would say. He'd say, hey, Alonzo. Or he'd say, hey, Alonzo NFL, comma. <laughs> I just want you to let you know that at one point in the Super Bowl, the Patriots were down 28 to 3. So you have to, you have to look at it this way and just keep fighting back and move on to the next play. I, I don't think I've ever received any more motivational advice in anything about my life than that. Imaginary Mike yeah, Reese tweet. I'm literally going to tweet him after this and ask him what we should do about your mouth. I'm going to run through a wall if he responds like that. <laughs> I am going to run through a wall. You're talking about Trent Brown, the wall. Uh, Trent Brown, when he is not throwing up on the sidelines, yes. Affirmative. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, you guys really need to. I'm, I'm going to have a snap counter for is when Trent Brown pukes. I'm going to go with uh, 33. At 33 snaps, Trent Brown starts to puke. At what point in the two-minute drill to end a half does Trent Brown <laughs> check himself out of the game? If, if the Patriots are – if it's like a tie game where they're down three with like two minutes left, you know what Trent Brown's thinking. Oh, fuck. <laughs> no timeouts, two minutes left. <laughs> Tom Brady's going to have to throw footballs at his head to get him to the line. <laughs> Gotta get out of bounds. Gotta get out of bounds, guys. I'll give Trent a break. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're gonna be taking a break here. See you guys Thursday or Friday. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Yeah, thank you, man. Talk later. All right, good luck with the mouth. Thank you. All right, later, okay. buddy.